You're listening to the Lawyers with Purpose Practice Success Podcast, hosted by Lisa Rozier, featuring attorney Dave Zimpano, along with frequent guests. Whether you're a seasoned estate planning attorney, an attorney looking to add estate planning and elder law to your existing list of practice areas, or you're just starting out, this podcast will give you a solid plan for success. Listen now as Dave and his guests share their personal journeys to practice success and the insights they learned along the way. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Lawyers of Purpose. Yeah, stop. Hang on one second. Erich, proper of your last name, Skruwala? Skruwala, just a silent V. Skruwala, that's what I thought it was. Okay. Here we go in three, two, one. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Lawyers with Purpose Practice Success Podcast. I am Lisa Rozier, and today I'm joined with Dave Zampano, my partner in crime, and we have special LWP member, Erich Skruwala, with us today. Erich, did I say that right? You got that perfect. All right. Awesome. Sounds good. So as always, Dave likes to jump in and get right down to brass tacks with you. So uh, Dave, yeah. Turn. Well, you know, <laughs> I got to tell you, Erich, this is my favorite time when I get to record these because I, I get to talk to members. You know, I, I'm sitting in the organization. I love to hear the perspective of the check writers because uh, I think it's so important. What I would think would be really valuable is just tell your story Kind of give us some insight of, you know, how long you've been practicing, how you started, where you started, and and kind of what happened from there. Yeah, I'm yeah. interested to know what your life was like prior to us meeting you. It's been it was a long life before arriving at, <laughs> at Lawyers with Purpose. I'll tell you that much. So uh, I just realized I've been practicing just over 23 years. 23 years a month ago. Um, and I started uh, I started doing insurance litigation. And I cannot think of a more dreary kind of practice of law to engage in. Um, and so I did that for a while. I left that firm and joined another general practice firm uh, to do a broader kind of litigation, um, which I did and I enjoyed for a while. And about a year into that, I met one of the partners in that firm. We had one partner who did theater law. I love theater. And I said, hey, you're like 80. Does that mean you're dramatic? <laughs> I, a little bit, Dave, a little bit. You'll find out. So I went to him and I said, you know, you're 80 gajillion years old. You're the only one here who does it. Don't you want to teach someone? He said, yeah, but, you know, you do litigation. I said, trial work, theater, it's all the same. Plus, I was in the Mikado in the sixth grade. So why not teach me? And, uh, and he agreed. And so uh, I worked with him for, you know, uh, close to 10 years. And so I was a hybrid at that point. I was doing uh, theater law and other entertainment work, and I was still doing litigation. Um, and then, you know, the, it comes a time in life where you kind of look in the mirror and you realize, look, you're having a baby, you're turning 40. This, uh, there's no better time in life to give up a partnership at a Midtown New, uh, Midtown New York practice and open a, open a business on your own. So uh, and that's what I did. And, uh, and then that's I quit the e-myth, by the way, that's the entrepreneurial seizure in the e-myth. Yeah. The one thing they don't tell you is that it's not the best idea to be a solo practitioner in litigation. Uh, wow. and it, it didn't take me long to figure out that that was not really, uh, what my calling was. So I now like to say I'm a recovering litigator and I've been in recovery <laughs> for a good 15 years now. <laughs> Um, and so I was, a, you know, I was a theater lawyer for a while. And uh, while that's great and it's rewarding and it's a lot of fun and I got to meet a lot of people and have a real sense of accomplishment, 
you know, what they don't tell you again about the, about the private practice of law is that cash flow is a really important thing. And theater law, Dave, that ain't it. <laughs> and uh, so looking around for something to have a more consistent cash flow, I said, you know what? Estate planning seems like a good, a good thing to do. Uh, hmm. But I had no ungodly idea what estate planning was, how to do it, other than, you know, those, the guys on the corner that offered the $400 wills. That's not the kind of lawyer I wanted to be. I knew I did not want to do that. I wanted so to do something. So where did your journey take you? So how does one go from being a recovering litigator to being in theater law, just waking up one day and say, hey, I want to go see what the will and trust guys do. How do I do that? That was exactly yeah. going to be my question. Like what stimulated this area of law? Well, I, um, I, I, I met somebody who was offering kind of like um, offering basically a, a system and, and offered to teach kind of the basics of estate planning and uh, offer kind of like a, a way to get clients, like a system to get clients. Um, and so I signed up for that and I did that for a while. And I pretty much taught myself because I kind of had to, there wasn't, um, there wasn't a, a, like a real mechanism for, for, for me to learn other than that. And I had to go find my own drafting software and kind of learn how to use that and learn how to, you know, to be, to be an estate planning attorney. And that was really successful for a while, but it's still, there were still a lot of holes, right. in how that was working for me. Um, it wasn't working. Well, you know, yeah. the holes were really just, I still didn't really know how to run a business. And you know how lawyers are. We think we know everything. It's like, <laughs> I know how to run a business. I don't need anybody to tell me how to do that. Um, but I didn't know. And, and I didn't have anybody telling me I didn't know, right? To reveal right. to me the things I didn't know. We use um, the checkbook. We call it the money in the checkbook rule. That's right. That's right. And it was, you know, it was the kind of thing I, I was lucky, I think, smart and lucky. I was lucky to find a really good marketing outlet that sustained me for a period of, you know, three, four years. It was, there was one organization in Brooklyn, a parent's organization. I wrote one ad a month and I would get five to 10 clients and it was easy, but I never really looked beyond that because, hey, you know what? I was happy enough. I was making enough money. I didn't have to work that hard at it. I serviced my clients. I didn't have an office. I did all house calls, yada, yada. Everything was great until at some point you've run through all the people in that organization and you're looking around thinking, well, now what do I do? I, I got to pause here for a second. I mean, yeah. I don't know about you all, but I could talk an hour right now. So I'm going to just pause it and I want to make a few points that I think are critically important. The first one is, uh, is the e-myth. So I, I, the e-myth changed my life. I read it in 1999. And I've always said, the one thing I did different, I was in a group of 178 lawyers in a coaching program, and we all read it. It was our assignment. And of those 178, there's a few of us that rose to the top over the last 30 years. But, but the funny part is that we did something different. We actually began living the e-myth instead of just reading it and talking about it. And reading the e-myth is about systems and processes. But what I love about your story so far, and this is important for the listeners, if they've never read the e-myth, you've got to go read the e-myth revisited by Michael Gerber. Because what, what Rich is talking about here is the entrepreneurial seizure and the fatal assumption. 
This is what Michael Gerber talks about, the entrepreneurial seizure and the fatal assumptions. Let's talk about the entrepreneurial seizure for a moment. That begins when you're in a law practice and one day you say, oh my gosh, Gerber says there's three people. There's the, the, there's the, the manager, the technician, and the entrepreneur. So he says, everybody wants to be the entrepreneur, but he says the typical business owner is only 10% entrepreneur and they're 20% manager, and then they're 70% technician. And he defines the three roles as the entrepreneur, the forward-thinking person, that's always thinking about, okay, what can we do? What's in the future? The technician, the present-based person, oh my God, I gotta get this done. We gotta get this work done for the client, whether it's theater or whatever. And then the past-based person is the manager. Okay, I gotta pay my bills. Here's what I did last month. Always relating and saying, okay, here's what we always did. What can we do going forward? And what Gerber said is the proper balance is you actually have to become 80% entrepreneur and delegate all the rest. And, and, and Eric, just hearing you is just bringing me back 22 years ago when I read the e-myth and I'm going, oh my gosh, entrepreneurial seizure. What happens is the technician, the lawyer says, hey, I'm working for this law firm. They're billing me out at 500 bucks an hour. I'm getting paid 50 bucks an hour. Heck, I can go do this myself. And Gerber says that's the, uh, uh, that leads to the fatal assumption. So the, um, the entrepreneurial seizure leads to the fatal assumption, which is the second statement you said. And these are so critical. Gerber says the fatal assumption is because I'm good at doing the service, I believe that I will be good at running the business that provides the service. That's the fatal assumption. It's not necessarily true. Being a good lawyer doesn't mean you know jack about running a law firm. Uh, and, and I think your story tells that, right, Eris? It's, Absolutely. It's, hey, yeah. okay, hey, that's what you talk about, the money in the checkbook rule, right? That's right. That's right. I um, mean, it, but, the, but the great thing for, I, you know, what I realized early, though, like working in a law firm, and I'm sure, if, you know, anybody who's worked in a law firm um, will realize this, too, is that, you know, you think you're all in this collegial environment, but when you're an associate in a law firm, you're basically the assembly line in a, in a car factory. And you're there just to, to take in what they give you and churn out a car at the other end and do that over and over and over again. Um, and, and I realized I at least wanted something more than that. I wanted to do something more than that. And that, that's kind of what led me out of, you know, out of a, a stable partnership in a Manhattan law firm at the age of 40 with a kid on the way. Um, yeah. And I just, you know, I do wish that, that I had, had been a little more aware, I guess, then of just what I was getting myself into. Like, I would not go back and change it, even with all of the, you know, all of the ups and downs that happened, right? I wouldn't, I wouldn't change that for a second, but. Um, but you might but have advice for someone who maybe is 20 years behind you. Maybe they're in an insurance defense firm or litigation firm, and they're hearing this and they're going, you mean there's another life other than this stuff? Um, so, so they don't have to have the pain maybe you had along the way. What might you say to an attorney listening that's not in estate planning or, or that is in an area of law that, that they are working for someone else versus working for them, themselves, which is that e-myth conversation? Well, definitely read the e-myth <laughs> for sure. That's stage number one. And I read it thanks to you, Dave, and it was you know, those head exploding moments that you get in life sometimes when something really clicks, uh, you know, that, that definitely was critical for me. And just understanding that every, every business, every practice, the practice of law is built on systems and processes. And the more that you can develop those, uh, 
the better you're going to be able to a service your clients, manage your business in a profitable way, and not you know be worried at three o'clock in the morning that tomorrow morning the sky is going to fall and hit you on the head. Um, and you know this is my backwards way of saying you know I got to lawyers with purpose, and I didn't come to you, Dave, because that's what I was expecting you to teach me. Yeah, I came to. Well, it's like we talk about the roller coaster, right, in business. Yeah. Well, you market, market, like you, you went to this group and you're getting three to four a month, you market, market, and then the business comes in and you stop marketing and you start doing all the business and you get, get done with the business. You go, oh my gosh, there's nothing up the pipeline. So then you're back at the bottom and you market, 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 go up the, go up the roller That's coaster. Right. And I said, okay, we're going to ride it right down. And, and so, and then the cash flow is like, oh my God, we're out of money again. And then how can I hire someone? I can't pay them, you know, kind of thing. And uh, so along the way, you're in estate planning and, um, so you said you met lawyers of purpose somehow. Yeah, I'm intrigued with, with huh? that story. I'm intrigued with what you were about to say, Eric. Yeah. yeah. So I came to lawyers with purpose because I saw something, I don't know whether it's the Facebooks or something ad I got on the internet, but I, you know, I'd always been afraid of and resistant to the idea of elder law, Medicaid planning, any of that stuff. It felt too complicated. I didn't, I'm too old to learn any of this stuff, Dave. I'm pushing 50. I don't want to learn this. Especially don't, when you're don't. in recovery. Especially when I'm in recovery. I've learned enough in my life. I just want to practice law and, and, and be fat and happy. Okay. Uh, but I realized that I needed to diversify. I saw, I saw something, I don't know if it, it must've been a video that you did on, um, on Medicaid planning. And I thought, you know what, this baby doesn't seem so hard. So let me, let me get in here and see what this is all about. So I came to you because all I wanted from you, from Lawyers With Purpose, was teach me Medicaid planning. I don't need any of the rest of it. And then, then, and then you guys opened my eyes because um, Lawyers With Purpose is so much more than that. I came for the Medicaid planning. I stayed for the systems and processes is what I like to say. You know, what's funny is, um, you know, Medicaid, I mean, I think even other national organizations have even sent their members to get their training from us. And you know what that came down to? It's really an e-myth conversation that I actually systematized and broke down and understood how what Medicaid is. And we really narrowed it down to 13 different things and how those 13 things are different for each uh, client or prospect. And once you break it down, it's it's... Like you said, it's not as overwhelming. What do you hear when you go to the CLEs? Oh my God, this is always changing. This is crazy. Medicaid laws changed three times since 1965. It was created in 65. It was changed in 88 with Mecca 88. It was changed in uh, 93 and it was changed in 2006. That's it. Three three amendments, 88, um, 88, whatever that years I just said, I'm losing my mind. But that's it. It doesn't change every year. What changes is the interpretation. So again, when you systematize that, a simple change in how they how they uh, interpret something just means a change to that part of the system. And uh, it's a relatively easy change. But when you look at it in its totality, overwhelming. Yeah, yeah. I could see feel that way. The other thing when you said you, you I love the quote, uh, I came to LWP for Medicaid and stayed for the systems and processes. So explain to me the, the life altering change when you realized a system and a process is extremely impactful to a successful practice. Well, I mean, what I learned about, about the systems um, and about the processes 
was I learned why my business hadn't been more successful before I found Lawyers with Purpose. And it's because I was on that roller coaster. It was because I was constantly reinventing the wheel. It was because um, I didn't have a really set way or a systematized way of intaking a client, servicing that client, making sure they left being raving fans and would say to anybody they met on the street at the grocery store, at the ball game, oh my God, my estate planning attorney is the best person in the entire universe. Whoever expects anybody to say that. Um, but, and without, without those systems and processes, without kind of a, a you know, a way to, to deal with a client from start to finish that is all set up, um, it's very hard to do that. It's hard to get off that roller coaster. And realizing that you guys had that, that that was what I was lacking um, and that, you know, it was right there. Like I didn't have to go and develop it. It was right there. It was real. It was a game changer for me. Eric, let me ask you a tougher question. Though. <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm going to poke holes in this, right? Because it all sounds good. You're a member. Um, you know, everybody's looking for the magic bullet, you know? And I think your answer is the magic bullet's there. It's systems and processes. Come on. How hard was this to implement? How hard was this? How easy was this? What were your challenges? What, what were the things you had to overcome to finally, and what did you finally get to that makes you think you've implemented it successfully? Well, I'm gonna admit, I'm not fully implemented. It's, yeah. it's still a process. It's a process to get the process, right? But the, you know, the first thing though was, and I'll admit this wasn't easy. It wasn't, I make it sound like, you know, I walked in one day and, and, you know, the skies opened up and it was a bright, sunny day. Yeah, and I, I saw an event. The bells went off. But again, that's not true. I said it earlier. Lawyers think we're smarter than everybody else. So I don't need your systems and processes. That's how I thought. I just want your Medicaid planning. It did take me a while to kind of realize what was there in front of me and to actually pick it up. But, you know, it's nothing is just handed to you, right? And certainly this is not handed to you. You have to make first the conscious decision that I'm going to go all in and I'm going to adopt this practice because I've seen other people do it and I've seen what happens when you do it. And then you have to dig in and do the hard work. You have to reorient yourself about who you are in your business. You have to be prepared to delegate out the things that you need to delegate out. You have to adopt processes that may not intuitively you know, feel like this, why, this doesn't make any sense. This is crazy. Why would I do it this way? So there's a process to letting go. And I went through that and I'm sure a lot of people went through that. So, um, and, and you know, I did not expect, nor do I think anybody should expect that you walk in and day one, everything's gonna run smoothly. And you know, you're sitting on a you know, multi-million dollar practice and you know, sitting by the pool while you're making money. It's, it doesn't work that way. Um, but what you can realize if you're open to it, if you're available to, understanding it is that there is a pathway to get there and that there's a pathway that's all laid out in front. You don't have to invent it yourself. That's really the big, that's the big game changer for somebody who's prepared to accept it is that it's the path is there. You don't have to create it. You just have to believe in it and do the work to implement. What were some of the final factors that had you finally let down your guard and say, all right, I trust this. I get it. What are some of the things you relied on that finally got you? Because that's a mindset issue, right? And we're lawyers are trained a certain way for so long. By the way, I started an insurance defense firm too, <laughs> but I started as an estate planner, right? 
but um, but what were some of the things that gave you the confidence to find say, okay, what were, you know, the community is a great community, but what, what were some of the other key triggers where you finally knew it said, you know what, maybe there is something here, you know? Yeah, I mean, a lot of it is community. A lot of it is seeing how other people are doing and what they're doing and then success they're having. But, you know, as with a lot of things, we respond to pain. Our bodies respond to pain. Our psyches respond to pain. It wasn't working. Me trying to, you know, force the system to be what I wanted it to be. It just wasn't working for me. Um, I was able to get the knowledge on what to do, but I wasn't getting it to work for me because I wasn't fully bought in. Right. And it was, it was going through that pain. And I know, like we all say, don't, don't do what I did. Don't go through the pain that I went through. And everybody's going to, everybody's going to go through that to some degree. Um, well, but we're very the- smart as lawyers, aren't we? Uh, they say we're in the top 2% intellectually, but there's a three letter phrase that you learn very quickly in LWP. You remember what that one is? Uh, I think you're referring to FDS. Yeah, exactly. So again, I know we're kind of running a lot of time, but just give a summary of the FDS and how that played a role in, in where you are today. And, and uh, you know, as a guidance to other people out there, they're, they're going to go through these same challenges and these same journeys that you did. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's a great phrase because it, it, it does two things, right? So it's follow the darn system. And That's a nice way of saying it, yeah. It, yeah, yeah, uh, you know, podcast. Um, so follow the darn system means two things. Number one, it's, it's a command, right? Just follow it. But number two, it's a release. By saying follow the darn system, there's an emotional release, I feel, in the, in the term. Just let yourself believe that it's all going to work and, and have a level of trust. And that is, that's the most important thing. That's the hardest thing to do for anybody, particularly anybody who, you know, like me, I had a, you know, I had my business for what, almost 11 years on my own. And I was successful of a sort because I wasn't homeless or anything like that. And my kids are fed and clothed and all that stuff. So I came in feeling like I had a certain amount of success, but FDS to me means just let yourself go, trust that this is going to work, and then do the work to make it work. Yeah. And I, and I have to tell you, that's a badge of honor in LWP, isn't it? Right. Yeah. All, all the firms, all the ones that make it and they, they're having their as much vacation as they want and they're, they're getting all the revenue that more they ever wanted. They have someone else running their law firm because they hate that part and they're doing the part that when they finally get there, their number one answer to anyone who's crawl, crawling or clawing their way is, just FDS, man. Just trust yeah. it. It works, right? Kind of thing. So, yeah. well, don't don't uh, get the Eric, scars that the rest of us have by not doing that for the first several months. Or, <laughs> I know some members but, who take years to get to that point, right? And, and you, know, you and stuck it out. Thing. That's the other thing. You stuck it out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the other part is the beauty of the systems and processes is we have some members that implement one or two and they're so happy with the practice. That's all they ever do. And, and that's for them. I, I, and I think I've always said to my people here at LWP, our job is not to make everybody to have the ultimate machine that we can help them build. It's to help them have the practice where they have a balance between life and work. And they have all that it's, it's, it's giving their practices and giving them all they want to maintain their lifestyle and their way of life. And that's really, uh, I think, the goal uh, of any good business is that it, it meets the needs of you and your family. So with that being said, Lisa, I'll let you close us up. Um, Erich, thank you for yeah, being what here. Yeah, what a great conversation. hearing the story. Yeah. yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah. And I got to tell you, I've heard the story a thousand times, change the name to protect the innocent. 
<laughs> and it, it's a great story. It's my story. It's it's so many people's story. Um, um, so, but again, I love your insight, uh, Erich, that, that it really is. It, it's a process. It's not a destination. Um, yeah, absolutely. Very um, impactful. So thank you for your time. I know you have a busy schedule. And uh, for everyone out there, this is the Lawyers with Purpose Practice Success podcast. And you can always um, listen to additional episodes and read our insights at lawyerswithpurpose.com. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Practice Success Podcast. Visit www.lawyerswithpurpose.com podcast to listen to other episodes and to subscribe. We'll see you next time.